Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. A sick woman interrupts Jesus. That's our headline today. A sick woman interrupts Jesus. But before we jump into that, I kind of want to paint the the broad brush, if you will, of the story, kind of what's taking place, I would say maybe behind the scenes. If you're not reading through the book of Mark, you might miss it. But last week we talked about the parable of the sower. And right after that, we see Jesus gives several parables. And then Jesus is gets on a boat to go to the other side of the lake. I mean, you know, Jesus is always traveling, always bringing good news, just showing up. And when Jesus showed up, people shows up, show up. And so there's Jesus. He's in the boat asleep. He's tired. He's been doing ministry all day. He's asleep in the boat. The storm comes, right? We're familiar with the story. And then, and then the disciples are freaking out. Jesus wanted them to have faith to get through it. They didn't. So they wake him up. And Jesus gets up, and it says this, that Jesus rebuked, or he says that he rebuked the storm, and then he spoke to the waves. Come on, how many know that God wants to deal with the root issues? He wasn't just dealing with the waves. He didn't just say, waves, calm down. He actually rebuked the storm. In other words, you don't have any authority to be here. I'm here. You shouldn't be here. And then he speaks to the waves. And so when Jesus does that, he's establishing authority over nature. So Jesus is establishing in that moment, the, the, the greater thing isn't just, oh, Jesus just, you know, protects us through the storm. Yes, absolutely. We love that. But don't miss it. Jesus is, is, is revealing, come on, his authority. He's saying, I'm here. I have authority over storms. I have authority over nature, right? So he speaks to the storms. Jesus, I think Jesus probably went back to sleep. It's the middle of the night. And then they land. And as soon as they land, they're in a Gentile nation. And as soon as they land, this guy possessed by demons runs up to Jesus. All right, are you tracking? And so, and then Jesus begins to exercise some authority over this guy. Now understand that the guy filled with demons, Jesus wasn't scared of. Now most commentators believe that it was still dark, that Jesus shows up, that this guy who lives in the graveyards, okay, is filled with demons. Come on, not just three or four demons. He's actually filled with a legion of demons, up to 6,000 demons. That's what a legion is. That's a lot of demons. Right? Some of y'all got a few demons you're dealing with, but this guy had a lot of demons. In fact, he was, he was so possessed by demons that people tried to bind him up and chain him up, and he got free. Nobody could control this guy. So he was living in a graveyard. He was cutting himself. His life was on the line. And he, Jesus lands and he runs up to Jesus in the middle of the night. Now, that's the storm I'd be freaking out in. <laughs> Whoa, back to the boat. Can we go back out to sea and, and face some of those storms, right? And so this guy runs up. It's creepy. And he bows his knee to Jesus. And he says, Lord, you know, begins to confess. We know that you have the authority. We know that you have the power. Please just send us over to this herd of pigs, these unclean pigs, and and deal with us that way. And so if you know the story, Jesus cast these 7,000 demons into 2,000 pigs, and then they kill themselves in, in uh, in the water there. What is Jesus saying? Well, first of all, he's saying, I have authority over the natural with the storm. Now he's saying, I have authority over the spiritual when the demon comes up. And so we see this. This is what it says right here 
it says that when he shows up from afar, he ran and fell before him. He ran and fell before him. What's he doing? He's bowing his knee. This this man filled with demons, 6,000 demons bowing their knee to Jesus. And we get that. The word legion there is actually the uh, Roman uh, army, basically. It's up to 6,000 Roman soldiers. That's what's considered a legion. So, and understand that Rome was the most powerful force on the earth at the time. So when he says this, he's saying, I have authority over anything in the spiritual and on the natural. And he just exemplified this. Now, this is what I love about the authority of Jesus. Jesus doesn't show up right when he goes into ministry and say, all authority has been given to me. Does he? He says that till Matthew chapter 28, right? Where he says, all authority has been given unto me. Remember? All the authority in heaven, all the authority of the earth, right? Before that, he's just showing he has authority. Come on, how many know that when you really have authority, You don't have to show up and tell everybody you have it. In fact, if you have to tell people that you have the authority, if you're a manager at work and you have to continually remind people that you're the boss, how many of you know you don't have the authority? We've all dealt with people like that that continually reminded us. Why? Because they just weren't in charge. They had to keep reminding you they're in charge. So we've, we've all experienced that. So Jesus doesn't do that. He just shows everybody. He shows them in the storm. He shows over sickness. He shows over all these things. Jesus is saying, I'm here in charge. I'm in charge. A lion doesn't show up and go, hey, everybody, I'm a lion. Roar. Right? No, no, no. He doesn't have to say he's a lion. He just shows up. And this is what the great lion of the tribe of Judah does. He just shows up. And so he doesn't make a fuss about his authority. But listen, don't understand. Don't under, and what many have done is they've underestimated the authority of Jesus, what we would call meekness. Meekness would be strength under control. Many misunderstand his meekness as weakness. In other words, Jesus is kind of this kind of frail, kind of just big softy. Don't mistake it. Storms bow before Jesus. Come on, demons, 7,000 demons bow before Jesus. He has the authority. Authority is in him. The question is, is will you bow or you stay living in the graveyard? So a lion doesn't have to announce I'm a lion. He just shows up. So Jesus is tender, but he will not be tamed. So he shows us this. He has authority over the natural. And then he has this authority over the spiritual. And I love that when he saw him from afar off, he just ran up to Jesus and he said, you're the one in charge here, not the demons. And this was a guy that men had tried to been, been trying to have authority over him for a long time. And this guy submits to Jesus. And then we see this in Mark chapter 5. Let me read a little bit, and then we'll go back to that point. Mark 5, verse 21. This is our text today. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side. So now he's getting in the boat. He's going again, another place, another trip, another mission. A great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers, everybody say rulers, rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, here it is, he fell at his feet. He fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. What is he saying? He's saying Jesus has authority over the natural. Jesus has authority over the spiritual. And then Jesus also has authority over the religious 
and governmental systems. Now understand something. You say, well, that guy's not a governing official. He works in the synagogue. He's a, he's a ruler of a, a, the religious. No, no, no. Understand this. With the Jews, the religious system was the synagogue, or the, the governmental system was the synagogue. That's why they had, that's why you, had, the, the book of the law isn't just Ten Commandments, and you have all these civil laws. What is that? That's the government for the people. So when G, this guy runs up, come on, when he runs up and he bows his knee to Jesus, he's saying, listen, every, I am representing the religious system and the governmental system. They must bow to Jesus. And what I love about it is that he, that Jesus doesn't tell him come and bow. He comes and bows to Jesus. He recognizes Jesus has authority. So I love that moment that we had in worship today where, we're, where, where the Lord wasn't going, I want you to surrender to me. There will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That day will come. But right now, the Lord is saying, will you? Will you bow your knee? Will you confess with your hand? And we say, yes, Lord, you can have it all. I surrender all. I surrender all. Easy. I surrender. You're greater than I am. You have all the authority. So Jesus has authority over the religious and governmental systems. Again, he fell at his feet to heal who? His 12-year-old daughter. Now, you guys remember the number 12? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus picked 12 disciples. Why? Because 12 is the number of government. Right? 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples. Now we see this ruler has a 12-year-old daughter. What's he saying? I have authority. I'm in charge here. Understand I'm in charge. I'm not coming in and out saying I'm in charge. I'm just showing you I'm in charge. And then so Jairus takes Jesus to his daughter who's dying. And then Jesus speaks over this daughter. He says, rise up. and everybody, He shows up at the house. Everybody's already kind of worried that she's about to die. Jesus shows up. It's too late. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Jesus shows up late. Come on, how many know Jesus is never late? He's always right on time. Jesus shows up, but apparently late. And they're like, they're all crying and moping. And Jesus goes, she's not, she's not dead. She's just asleep. I know her eyes are closed and she's not breathing, but she's, she's just sleeping. And they, they mocked him. They laughed at Jesus. And they, they, he, said, he said, watch this. Get up, little girl. Wake up. And what happens? Jesus shows us that he also has power over death. That Jesus has authority over death. And we know that in his resurrection, he defeats death. Hell in the grave on the cross. Come on, through the cross. And then he defeats sin on the cross. Come on, and death in the grave. He defeats it for everyone forever. But in this moment, he's saying, listen, I am in charge. I got the keys. I have all the authority, all of it, all the authority. How much authority does Jesus have? All of it. So the father, we, we, most of the time we think of the father, the father having all authority. He doesn't. He gave it to Jesus. We understand that. I mean, Jesus said that. I believe what Jesus said. I believe everything that Jesus said. And he said, all authority, all the authority, I got it. That's why he's the king of kings, because he got all the authority. But his kingdom is different. He's not going to demand, come on, he's not going to rule his sovereignty by force. He's going to rule his sovereignty by surrender. That's why sometimes we make this foolish mistake that says, well, uh, God's in control. God's in control. God's in control. We just kind of throw that around. Is he in control or is he in charge? And my suggestion is he is in charge. He has all authority, but he's asking the knees to be bowed. He's asking us to come to him. So there you go. There's, wrestle with that a little bit. That'll be fun 
fun, fun little journey for you throughout the scriptures. So this guy, he takes Jesus, and while Jesus is on his way, the reason why she dies is because there's this woman who interrupts him. Can you believe that? I mean, Jesus is on a mission. He's going somewhere. It's very important. This, this little girl is, is very critical to the society. I mean, this is a ruler's daughter. I mean, it would be in the news that she's sick. And there's this woman who nobody even knows her name. She's not named in Scripture. We know her as the woman with the issue of blood. I mean, if I'm going to be in the Scriptures, at least include my name. <laughs> Look, my name, I'm in the Scriptures. That was me. Yeah, right. I didn't have your name on there. Right? I mean, can you imagine her telling that story 30 years later? And then she, that wasn't you. It was. What does it have your name? Oh, it was me. Verse 24. And he went with him, Jesus following Jairus. And a great crowd followed him, thronged about him. In other words, they're like crowding in. Jesus can barely move. He's already being slowed down by the crowds. Verse 25, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. There it is. The number 12, once again. And she is under the government of this issue. 12 years, the number of government. The government of her life is about to change. The government that she serves, who is in charge, the authority in her life is about to change. Up to this point, for 12 years, she had been living under the authority of sickness. She had been living under the authority of the law that said you got to stay home and you can't be around anybody. That was the authority she was living under. So when it says 12 there, it's significant. Verse 26, and who had suffered much under many physicians and who had spent all that she had had. And she was no better, but grew worse. Other words, she was wasting her money on doctors and she was all out of money and she didn't get better. She actually got worse. And she had heard, almost oh, so good, but she had heard the reports about Jesus. She heard the news and came up behind him and the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I can touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately, there it is again, circle that, immediately, 40 times in the book of Mark, immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she had been healed of her disease. I love it. She feels it. But she wasn't the only one that was feeling something. Let's read on. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, Dunamis power had went out from him immediately. There it is again. Turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my garment? Jesus possessing so much authority and so much power in his life, he recognizes when a little bit leaks out. She extracts the power from Jesus. He didn't touch hands on her. He didn't, he didn't say a word over her. He didn't say anything. He was walking. He had a different agenda that day. But this woman said, if I can get his attention, if I can touch the hem of his robe, if I can just get my hands on him, I won't have to suffer anymore. This is my last hope. Who touched my garments, he said. Verse 31. And his disciples said to him, everybody, the crowd's pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? Who touched me? All of them, Lord. 
They've, they've been touching you the whole time. What are you, what are you asking? No, no, no. Who touched me, though? Because, because everybody was touching me, but who, who touched me? She touched me. Oh, she touched me, right? I mean, he's like, what, what is happening? What is going on? I, was, I wasn't here to do this. Don't you know? I mean, did you see Jesus with that attitude? Don't you know? I've got an important place to be. I mean, I'm going to Jairus' house to, to heal his daughter. What are you doing interrupting me? No, that wasn't his attitude at all. In fact, Jesus didn't have a posture of it at all. It was all on the woman. The miracle was up to her. He's already, Jesus already made his mind up that healing comes out of him. He, he's, is it God's will or God's will not to heal? He's already made his mind up. His mind is already, he is already good enough to heal. The healing is there. Will you touch him? Will you touch him? So who touched me? And he looked around who had gone, but the woman, knowing what had happened, we'll explain this in just a minute, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. I like that. It says that she told him the whole truth. I think there might have been a little bit more to the story. And she said, he said to her, he didn't say to her, why did you touch me? It's inappropriate. You're unclean, which is the law would have told her to say that. She had to announce that when she showed up. She shouldn't be around crowds. She should be at home. This was the law. This was the government she was under. So when Jesus says that, she's afraid and she's trembling. Why? Because she's actually breaking the law to get to Jesus. Whoops. <laughs> And this is what he says. Daughter. <laughs> Daughter. I know you've got issues. He knew her issues. She's trying to deceive the Lord. <laughs> I mean, she's healed. She's like, oh my gosh, I feel it. But she's scared. Daughter. And this is what he says. Your faith. He didn't say, I made you well. Oh, I know. Are you one of those faith healing preachers? Right here I am. On this part I am. Not in some of the other ways. The answer is no. But here, yes. I say yes to this. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Not your works, not your deeds. Your faith that looked like deeds. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Be healed of your disease. So this woman, she has all kinds of issues, all kinds of issues, issues on issues. First of all, she has a physical issue, which we know about. She's been bleeding. She's been hemorrhaging. She's a, she's a woman. She's having woman issues for 12 years. Intense. A flow of blood. So we know that she has physical issues. Secondly, she has financial issues. She's, she, she spent all her money on doctors to tell her, there's nothing else we can do. We don't know what's wrong with you. We've never seen a case like this before. Sorry. Please pay the, bill, the lady at the counter. And she did it time after time after time again. 
So she's broke. She has financial issues. So she's got physical issues. She's got financial issues. She's got social issues. Because according to the law in Leviticus chapter 15, if you're bleeding, you can't be around people. Because if they're bleeding, you might start bleeding. If you're the people that you're around, the people that you touch, you're unclean. Anybody she touched would become unclean. Anything she touched come unclean. And we don't know if she was a mother. If she was a mother, she couldn't touch her kids for 12 years. Or maybe she was believing God for kids and she couldn't have kids because of her female issues. She couldn't be the wife that she needed to be. She couldn't go to the well and hang out where the other ladies hung out and gossip. I mean, she couldn't do anything. She just had to stay home and talk about quarantine. Locked up socially, not for two months, not for 10 days. I just did 10 days. Oh, Lord. It's the worst thing. 12 years. Possibly she was thinking, you know, I'm really taking a risk here. Because if I touch Jesus, I'll make him unclean. Maybe that's why she touched the hem of his robe. Maybe it's because she was afraid to touch his skin. Maybe she was thinking, if I touch his skin, it'll make him unclean. So I'll just touch his robe. I'll, I'll touch his robe, and I'll just kind of sneak in stealthy, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll do it. Lord, I'll just come up and touch you. It's really my last hope. I can be ostracized. People can make fun of me. They probably forgot about me after 12 years. But all the scrutiny, early scrutiny that came up, it's, it's all going to be dug back up again. Is it going to be another 12 years? Is this healer going to fail like the other healers did? I mean, think of all the things that are going through her mind. She's dealing with these social issues, and that leads to her emotional and mental issues, all these things that we're talking about. So she's broke. She's hurting. She's ostracized. She's isolated. She's alone. She's in quarantine. 4,300 long days. No affection. No touch. I think about a couple months ago when I couldn't touch anybody. For two months, I was a wreck. I, was like, I mean, I'm like, I'm pretty affectionate. I like want to, you know, I make strangers feel uncomfortable sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. That. Hey, how you doing? Oh, sorry. Imagine. But she was touched that day. How do we get breakthrough over our issues? How do we get breakthrough? How, is, how are we going to get breakthrough? How are we going to get over our issues? This woman shows us how to get over our issues. Are you willing to interrupt Jesus? <laughs> Come on. First of all, you got to do this believe the news. You just got to believe this news. This news that the healer is in town. This news that Jesus is here and he's actually good. Because most people that believe in God, half of them don't believe he's good. They'll say he's good because they learned that that's what you're supposed to say. But they've never experienced his goodness, or at least they think they haven't. And then they look at other people and they say, well, God's been good to them, but he's not really good to me. They don't really believe the news that he's just good in general. They just kind of think, well, he is because he says he is, but I haven't experienced that. 
What were you believing? See, one of the things I love about being in community is that sometimes whenever I'm sorting through my issues, I can look at somebody else whose issues are being sorted out. And I can believe that news and say, you know what? If God did it for them, I believe he can do it for me. I believe the news. I believe the good news. I believe the gospel. I believe that the king is here. I believe that he's in charge, that he has all authority. I believe that he has, has authority over sickness. I believe he's that good. He healed others. He can heal me. She believed the news. She had heard about Jesus. You know, somebody in your world, somebody at your job, somebody in your family needs you to believe the news. Let me suggest this to you. As good as you've heard, as good as you've imagined that God is, he's better. He's better. And I love this thing about community because I can look around and I can say, man, God is so good. I can look back at my life. Oh. I just get overwhelmed when I think about God and how good he is to me. Think about 1993 when I came to the Lord. A long time ago, 27 years ago. Some of y'all aren't even that old yet. And I can look back over those years. And you know what I've seen those years? I've just seen God be good time after time after time again. It doesn't mean it's been easy because it hasn't always been easy. It's been hard. People have been messed up. People have been wrong. People that don't believe God's good kind of act like God's not good and they reflect a God that's not good. Mm. Been hurt by church people. Been hurt by heathens. Been hurt by people that I thought loved Jesus. Been hurt by people that didn't love Jesus. I've been hurt by all of them. But you know what I've never seen? I've never seen God not be good. He's always good. He's always taking care of me. He's always, he's always given me a reason to smile, even in my darkest times. He's always, he's always given me a reason to lift my head up. And the greatest thing about this is, is God gave us Jesus. And see, the greatest thing that God could ever do for you, he already did for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. Before we cleaned up our act. Before we got it together. He wanted us. <laughs> I can't believe he wanted me. I was such a hypocrite when I was 18 years old. Such a hypocrite. That was, that was my sin, man. I had everybody at church fooled that I was a Christian for two years. I was such a hypocrite. There's not, in my mind, there's not many worse things than being a hypocrite. He got a hold of me. He still wanted me. That's good news. So as good as you heard or imagined that he's good, he's better than that. He's better than that. Believe the news. Number two is this. Get out of your comfort zone. I mean, shouldn't she have just stayed home? This is how most of us would pray. And I bet she prayed it for 12 years. God, I know you're sovereign. I know if you wanted to heal me, you could heal me right now. How many of us have prayed prayers like that? God, I want you to do something in the privacy of my own home. What if I told you that God really likes to pay, make public demonstrations of his goodness? That's why I think most of our significant moments in God are when other people are around. 
because God likes to reveal his goodness. He likes for other people to, he doesn't want, he doesn't really necessarily want his goodness to be, to be hidden. He wants it to be evident. But we pray this way all the time. Lord, I've got this issue. Would you fix it? When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, July 4th, 1993, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I, I prayed. I prayed probably 5,000 times within three months. Lord, just fill me in my room so nobody has to see it. That was my posture. Didn't happen in my room. For other people, it did, but for me, it didn't. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I know you can do it. I know you can do it. How many times do we pray that? I know you can do it. Just do it, Lord. I know you can do it. I know you can do it. But I wanted it to be done on my terms. See, you can have an excuse. You can walk around going, well, that's just not my, you know, I'm just more kind of a homebody. And, you know, I just like, I'm just kind of a private person. And, you know, and the law does say that I need to stay home. I know that Jesus is, Jesus, Lord, if Jesus is the son of God, can you communicate this to him? That he, maybe he can come knock on my door. No, she had to get uncomfortable. And you've got breakthrough that needs to happen in your life, but all you do is sit around and make excuses about your personality and how this is the way that you worship and you just don't really get that much out of your quiet time or you're just not really that social, so you don't have friends. You can have excuses all day long or you can have an encounter, but you likely will not have both. So until you're willing to get out of your safe space, and get into the safer place, you're probably not going to experience the breakthrough that you long for. Because that's what faith looks like. Y'all all right? Okay. I love you. I'm preaching for you today, not at you. Okay? So get out of the house. Your issues won't be resolved sitting around and wishing you were better. Number three. Go after your miracle. Now, you have a, if you're taking notes today, which I hope you are, that little blank right there, write your name in there. Go after Josh's miracle. Go after your miracle. I, I love compassionate people. I'm a, I'm a compassionate people. And sometimes I think with people that are really bent compassionate, a lot of times we will, we will pray and we'll minister and we'll believe for the miracle in other people's life, but we'll go in lack. I mean, this is the story. Jesus is on an important mission to display his authority. Very important. Jesus is on important business. In fact, time is of the essence. If he doesn't get there, she's going to die. <laughs> well, guess what? Thanks, woman with the issue of blood, for interrupting Jesus and the little girl dying. In the midst of it, and I'm sure she heard that too, I mean, Jesus is with Jairus, following Jairus. Come on. And most of us, what we do sometimes is sometimes in our prayers, we go, Lord, the world is so broken. I mean, Lord, this is election year. Lord, this is 2020. This is Corona. All these things. Lord, I just, I just pray for our nation. I just pray for our world. I pray for all this. And sometimes we think that because of the grand scheme of things in this world, there's this bigger issue. God is not concerned about mine. We do this. Now, other people are consumed the other way. They only think about their own needs. But, people, but I know a lot of people that they'll never pray for themselves. And I used to be one of those people. I remember, y'all get to have this. I didn't share this first service. I went through like a really dark season four years ago. It was also election year. Hmm. <laughs> 
And I just remember my heart was so troubled like, during that season. And I had a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, he said, and we were in a meeting, and he said this. He said, every day I pray for myself. Guys, I've been doing this for a long time. Not preaching. I've been doing that a long time too. But I've been serving Jesus for a long I've been having prayer time every day for a long time. And you know what I had rarely done up until that point? Rarely had I prayed for myself. I prayed about pray for my wife, I pray for my kids, pray for our church, I pray for our people, I pray for those that I love, I pray for those that are hurting, I pray for those that have wombs that are closed to be open. I pray, man, I'll pray for all of it, all, all the things. I'm just praying for all the things. But so, but in that moment, I was like, man, why, why am I not praying for myself? Why am I not going after my miracle? And if God loves them enough, then God loves me enough that I am not just a pastor and it's my job to pray for everybody. Yes, it is, but if I'm not careful, I will get caught about doing business for the kingdom and not doing business under the king. And it's like, the king wants to also do business in me. I'm all about the king's business, but the king's business is doing a work in me. And he wants to do a work in you, so go after your miracle. God is not overly consumed with the drama and humanity. To deal with your, to not deal with your issues. You're not going to offend him. You're not going to offend God. Because this is what we do, like anxiety. I know I should trust you, Lord. Right? And we, we just, we don't pray for ourselves that we would be stronger. We, we condemn ourselves before the Lord. Lord, I'm just such a rotten person. I'm so... Listen, it's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his pleasure to give you joy. Yeah, you might have got there because of, because of foolishness. You might have got to this place because of things that you've done. Maybe you didn't. Maybe there are things that are done to you. I don't know why your issues are there. But listen, he is. Jesus ain't too busy. He ain't too busy to deal with you. He's not that small that he can give somebody else a miracle and not give you one. That is a poverty mindset. And so well, some people, they, they will not pray that God will bless other people because they think if other people get blessed, they can't be blessed. Can I tell you the key for you getting blessed is you being more focused on other people getting blessed? I mean, one thing that I've noticed about needy people is they always have needs. That's why I call them needy people. And it's like you feel the need and there's another need next week. Because they never see themselves as a resource. They just see themselves as as a consumer. And my life is a resource. So God makes sure I don't ever run out. Joy or peace or anything else. Okay. So it's a pleasure to give you the kingdom. Number four. Reach out and touch him. Reach out and touch him. Go after your miracle. So reach out and touch him. There was something in this woman that got Jesus' attention that nobody else did. You know what it was? Faith. It was her faith that caused her to get out of the house. It was her faith to be willing to undergo the scrutiny that she might go. It was her faith to push through the crowds. It was her faith to reach out and say, if I could just touch his little garment, if I could just get my my fingers on a little tassel of his garment, if I could just touch that, I'll be healed. What if? She reached out and touched Jesus, and Jesus said, what's happening? Who touched me? And this woman is trembling because she knows what the law says. And Jesus calls her daughter. 
he calls her daughter. See, she didn't touch Jesus with her hand. She touched Jesus with her faith. And beloved, that's how you touch the Lord. That's how you get his attention. Without faith, it is impossible to please him because those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder, but he wants you to seek him diligently. He wants you to have faith. How close can you get to him? How close can you get to him? See, faith places us in proximity to experience breakthrough. God can do it. God can do it. God can do it. That's right. He sure can, and he sure will. But will you get out of the house? Will you push through the crowd? Will you reach out and touch him? Will you have a little faith? That, that uh, m- many people believe that when he touched the hem of Jesus' garment, that it was actually his prayer shawl. And on the prayer shawl, had little tassels on the bottom called zitzit, something like that. Not real good in my Hebrew. Zitzit. Zitzit. Yeah. Go have some shawarma for lunch and get some zitzit. And so basically that little tassel would be hanging down there. And you know what she did? She did what all the other people that yielded to the authority that Jesus did. She bows down and she touches the hem of his robe. Or maybe she crawled through the crowd. But she made herself low. How low can I go to demonstrate my faith? What can I do, Lord? I want it. I want you. Just reach out reaching out. This is what they're talking about at the the end of the prayer shawl. The zitzit is this tassel is actually considered, they they would be on the corners of of the garment, and they were actually considered an extension of the person, like their wings. Look at this Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness, come on, The son of righteousness is the S-O-N of righteousness. Also, he will rise with healing in his wings. Those who revere my name, those who are yielded, those who will bow low, those who revere me. We come up. Will you stand with me today? Listen, this is one of the awesome things about this story. I'm going to share this with you. We're going to pray. What I love about this story is it sets a precedent for scriptures, for the, for the other parts of the scripture. It sets a precedent for us because if you look, and next week we'll be into Mark chapter 6, and it says this, verse 56, and whenever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces And implored them that they might touch even the fringes of his garment. The first time we see this happen is this woman. And she showed us if we want breakthrough, we just got to touch him with our faith. We just got to touch him with his faith. And it says, the fringe of his garment and as many as touched it were made well. That word, when Jesus tells her, daughter, you're made well, that word well there is the word sozo. You know what that means? It doesn't mean just physical healing. It means 
overall health. It means mental healing, all the mental things that she dealt with for those 12 years. It means emotional healing. It means the aches that were in her heart over those 12 years were whole in that moment. It means that all those things, that physical ailment, it means, I believe this, I believe her financial issues were solved in this moment. Some of y'all might not like that too much, but I'm telling you, sozo is overall health. If nothing else, it just positioned her so she can go back to work. Emotional, mental, physical healing, all of it, all of it, all the issues. Beloved, can I tell you today, the healer's here.